episode number nine, Slam City on Dunk360.com. Full cast of characters here in our beautiful Bryant Park studios. Unqua Sonye, Raymond Mora, Jeremy Epstein. And, you know, even with the madness of what's happened the last couple of days, here's a little bit of a distraction to sort of, at the very least, give you some time to sit back and take your mind off things. And, of course, the basketball world got shook up in a brand new way just a couple days ago. Meet your new villain, (laughs) NBA fans. It's Kevin Durant. The same dude that was touted as being too nice just a couple years ago is now the NBA's newest villain because he wanted to go join the Warriors. That's kind of weird to me, you know? It kind of is, but, you know, it's pretty much in the Warriors' eyes. They said it to Durant. And the Star Wars reference that's kind of nerdy right here, but saying, join me and together we can rule the NBA together. And wow, you, you, re- you, really we went, you really went in on that. Well, it's uh, clear that they're... That's what, basically what they said, basically. Like, join us. Yeah. I mean, I, you can't argue that he's not all about winning, but it's kind of a Bush League move. I mean, Charles Barkley compared it to, you know, Kevin Durant is cheating for a championship. I mean, if you look, I, I don't know offhand, but if you look at the West All-Star starters, I know Steph and Clay started, I think. Yeah. So did if Draymond started, I don't know if he did or not. But I Draymond know didn't did, start. He no, didn't, didn't start, but no. Kevin Durant started. So basically you have, you're, they're assembling the Western Conference All-Star team to play regular season games in the NBA. And Zaza almost made it in on the fan vote. That was crazy. If you look <laughs> at the fan vote percentage, like Zaza came up like 30,000 short of, like, catching Draymond Green or something. So Zaza almost made the All-Star team. One of my friends said that it's pretty much that's the Western Conference right there. Just because the Warriors got everybody. They got the four top 10, 15 best players on the court. I mean, a lot of people are comparing it to La Liga, like, you know, in soccer, where, like, basically all the stars congregate onto one team. Like Messi, Neymar, et cetera, I mean, I'm I'm interested to know what you guys think of the move overall because we we were talking about it when it happened. I honestly think if... They're way better. They're an unbeatable team. If you really look at it on paper, offensively, they have no weaknesses. I know me and um, Inqua were having a discussion about them compared to the Miami Heat, and I totally believe that this Warrior team would destroy that because the Miami yeah. Heat team with the, uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, when they were put together on paper, they would, people were saying, oh, they're unstoppable, they're unstoppable, but you had a way to guard them. You give them jump shots. If you look at Dwayne Wade, who we're going to talk about a little later, going to the Chicago Bulls, he hit seven threes last year. Seven. Steph Curry hit that in the game multiple times. I mean, but you look at the team overall, like the Warriors, on paper, you can't argue that this is probably the best three-point shooting team ever. They were already the best three-point shooting team. <laughs> and then they add. But, but, but then with Ray, and somehow get Ray Allen out of nowhere out of retirement. I mean, let, let, I mean on paper, let, that's just insane. Let's what, let them sign him first. What's worse, a guy like Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors or guys like David West taking minimum deals, Zaza taking below what he would make, and Ray Allen Kevin, after KD, two years. KD by far. KD because, uh, because it's, it's a, like an easy move. Like, he just went to the winning team just so he could get a ring and be on the, on the you know, on the road to getting more titles. I'd probably agree with that. I mean, but let, let me say this about the Warriors. And going back to the conversation Jeremy and I had, I, I know not just in retrospect, but after looking at it, I overreached a bit. The two teams really are incomparable. Like, it's not even close. But I am not too ready to crown them yet because we've seen the last super team, and it was those Miami Heat. It's not to compare them, you know, position by position, but I'm not so sure quite yet 
that they're going to be unbeatable until I see it. Now, if I see it and they're really just that unbeatable, I'll own it. But I'm I'm tempering my just handing them the NBA at but, this point. You know, this is really much LeBron's fault, though. You know, if he didn't leave to Miami, maybe one of this would have happened with these. He super made teams. this okay, and that's yeah. not, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's it's a different time. And it's okay. Yeah, it's a soft. I don't know if it's okay. I don't know if it's okay. It's a soft. You as as Uh, Nick. Okay is a relative term, but I'm I'm just saying they're running the NBA. They're basically having four of the top twelve players in the entire league on their team. Okay, it's a soft league. That's not okay. I mean, they're gonna the game. It's basically gonna be the Warriors and everybody else. You see all these legends saying that you know they want to beat their person or whatever, and they want to join somebody. But yeah, what Frazier was just saying yesterday. Some of them probably deep inside feel like you know I want a ring and just end my career with that instead of just not getting a ring like Reggie Miller or Patrick Ewing or Karl Malone or I mean you could bl- kind of almost blame it on the media whose focus is so strongly on the championship ring narrative but you that, don't have a ring you're a failure that's exactly. the standard social media is, is championship yeah so I mean if you wonder why a guy wants to get that championship it's because if he doesn't he'll be called a bust a bum and today's career wasn't complete yeah, but this is how you rank the lineup right now for the Warriors, though. You go from the death lineup to the apocalypse lineup. It's pretty. I mean, basically, you have Kevin Durant. You have Kevin yeah. Durant replacing Harrison Barnes, yeah. who just didn't show up in the NBA Finals. It's unbelievable how good of a team that you can't double team anyone anymore. Everyone in that death lineup, except maybe even Iguodala, get to the corner three. And Iguodala is probably a playmaker. You could run the offense through Kevin Durant at the elbow or at the low pole. And Kevin Durant's a decent passer, a good playmaker, so he's going to get a ton of open shots. I'm interested to think what you guys think about now Oklahoma City as a basketball market. Obviously, the first year, them moving from Seattle, you're going to get a ton of fans coming in. Now they're going to lose Kevin Durant. They lose Kevin Durant. They're probably going to have to get rid of Westbrook if he doesn't resign because you can't lose two of the top five players in the world for nothing. So how do you think Oklahoma City is going to hold up as a basketball market? Well, they're going to have to trade Westbrook for potential first-round picks or eventually a lottery pick because right now you know he's going to leave. I mean, you know, deep inside his mindset, he was like, this guy just abandoned me. Or he just may be like, you know, I just want to leave. I'm screw it all. I'm going after everybody. And he oh. just might want to lead that team. Yeah, he can average 40, 10, and 10 for all we know. But would, would I don't know about be, 40. No one but would he be, 40, but I get it. He might have to take 40 shots. He, 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 might, have to take take, he might take every shots. shot. He already took every shot with Ken Durant. He's going to take every shot now. Yeah, he's got a stacked team. But he'd be like, you know what? I'm going to just take every shot now because I don't trust any one of you guys cause, except for Durant. And it's like, that's what you got to see from Westbrook probably this season. And then you're going to have rumors about him training to the Lakers and New York. Listen, they train to the Knicks because of Porzingis and Rose. I'm just going to. It's no, they're not going to give up Porzingis. If anything, the Knicks would wait till he's a free agent. I want to boycott the Knicks if they ever do that. First they're not of getting rid of Porzingis. They, they'd never he's do here that. forever. They'd never do that. Well, a pick I was in this. strong favor of, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and I hated it, but I, I love that pick. I, I love being wrong. But l- let me say this regarding, you know, OKC as a whole. First of all, Seattle rejoiced when Kevin Durant left. It was the best it Independence was the Day since thing. 1776 <laughs> like, in Seattle. It was incredible. And I was talking to. One good friend of mine from Seattle, I texted her and I said, how do you feel right now? She said, I'm ecstatic. We can root for Kevin Durant again because the bad blood is still there. And as far as OKC as a market, I see a lot of similarities for obvious reasons with the way Cleveland reacted when LeBron James left the first time. And I never really understood where they were coming from, but I think they took it to a whole new level. But I think as a basketball market, it's still strong, if only because the fans still come out in droves. And I would trust them way more to come out in droves than I would 
in like a bigger city where basketball is kind of a distraction. But all like, they're used to is winning. You think when they lose fifty games, they'll still come out? Maybe not. I mean, yeah, look. I, I mean, look at the happen. Knicks. The Knicks have loyal well, we're fans in the Mecca. too. We're in the yeah, but that's and they're, and they're, and exactly. But what I'm saying is, what else do they have in Oklahoma City as far as professional ma- major professional teams go? Yeah, but they. they like I, I mean, said, you could, you should really count the college teams, but that's a whole nother. They're gonna lose like half of their fan base because the rent went. They're not gonna lose half their fan base. What do you think of the they fact that they burned the jersey already? They yeah. did that in Cleveland too. Yeah, they gotta be they gotta be original with this. Like they gotta be something brand new when somebody leaves. They're just doing a the guy burn put jersey. a for sale sign outside Kevin Durant's house <laughs> and wrote coward oh. on there. They're being very original. Oh. I mean, I guess the ultimate disrespect is blowing, is burning a jersey. You know, but you know what'd be funny right now, though, if, even though it was official, if the ranch just said, "I, I didn't." We well, signed the contract, the contract already. I, I, they, had the press, they had the press conference. He didn't sign it. He could have pulled DeAndre Jordan, but now it's like it wasn't. He was never going to pull a DeAndre uh, Jordan. Not with the Warriors. That would have been the most savvy thing to do, though. They clear all that cash space. Then he's like, you know, I'm just going back to the. How hard of a decision? Yeah, especially <laughs> when they renounced everybody. How hard of a decision do you guys think this was for Kevin Durant? It was. It was freaking terrible. It was hard because he knows deep inside he doesn't want to be one of those guys who doesn't win a ring. Do you think if he went back to Oklahoma City with getting Oladipo, with the development of Steven Adams, do you think they would have been better than the Warriors? Oh, yeah. No. They would never have been better than the Warriors. I think they would have been better. I don't know. They were up 3-1. I think they 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 got a guard who could defend really well. And one one that can kind of score. Oladipo could score. He averaged uh, in the teens, I think, every year in his professional career. And, And I get that, but... I still don't think that team would have been better than the Warriors. I think they would have been better. Because talent... I, I do look, also. We always said, I always said this about OKC. They had the most talented team in the NBA. It was always about chemistry. So they were going to develop chemistry, chemistry eventually. And, and they're going to be together. Yeah. Because Kevin Durant... That's going to be interesting, though. Him in that Warrior system. I mean, he does like to hold the ball like Russell. But I think with the ball movement, he's going to get a ton of open shots. But oh yeah, he, does, he is a guy who likes to have the ball in his hands. He doesn't really play off the ball that much. That's why... Uh, Oklahoma City's offense would be stagnant at times. They were never really 100% effective and never really lived up to their potential because of that. You're going to see a team take, like, at least 40 or 50 threes a game. They're going to take uh, a ton uh, of threes. They're probably going to take that many threes. The they, Warriors' problem is, is one reason why I guess you can't crown them right away is that they don't have a real rim protector, even though they did get Zaza. Well, they got West, he's, not he's not really a rim like protector. He's, he's more of a bogey he's a, guy. Yeah, but they won with bogey. They, so. they did draft it. true, but they did was also sub, he was also a seven-footer. Zaza's a big guy. Zaza's not a seven. They drafted a seven footer though. Yeah, so they got the could... center, and then they also they're looking at Dwayne Deadman trying to sign yeah. him. So maybe they'll develop into some rim protector for them. But every all, all the reports are like they have guys calling Bob Myers and that whole staff that wanting to come in for the minimum because they're gonna want a ring. All everybody wants to go to the Warriors now because it's like it's a, it's a standard like we're gonna get a ring for this with this team more than LeBron. Is there honestly a team in the Western Conference or even the NBA that you think stacked up has a chance? Like if you, you don't have to crown them right now, but if you look at the teams, right? Do you honestly think anyone has a legitimate chance to knock them out in a uh, seven game well, series? A sleeper in my in, in the Western my side is probably the Grizzlies because Memphis? I still feel like when they're healthy they have a chance. Because they had that grit defense. I don't know how they're going to play this two years, but they got still got Conley when he comes back healthy. Still got Gasol. Still a got few Randall. years ago, I might have agreed with you, but they're older. They're breaking yeah. down. I don't think they can make it through the year. Honestly, no, I don't believe I, the Clippers. Honestly, you can't I trust really the Clippers like, at all. I really like Chandler Parsons, though. You you know? Memphis? That's yeah, a, yeah, because Parsons the thing is, different. they never had... It, it's funny. Every year, always say with, Mem- with Memphis is, 
If only they had a score. If only they had a. They bucket had a lot getter. of trouble replacing Rudy Gay. They re- tried to get Tayshawn Prince in there. He was. Rudy really Gay was just. But awful, Chandler Parsons, another guy, can't stay healthy. Rudy That's Gay, true. Rudy but Gay's I think. Awful, but I trust dude. him more, especially at that two-three spot. Where if they yeah. flip him, and he's a playmaker, and he exactly. can shoot a little bit. They gotta stay healthy, though. That's the question. Yeah. Memphis but, doesn't shoot any threes, though. You look at the Clippers. It's just like. More of the same. Yeah, they're never gonna, They're never going to More of the same. The Clippers are, no, the Clippers' window is closed, and it's, it's, it's a shame because that's one of the teams that you're going to look back when you see all that talent on the roster. Like, San Antonio? How did they not even get to the Western Conference Finals? San Antonio Spurs? If, if Tim Duncan if came Gas- back, if he came back and Gasol I think with the ball movement does. and they could just pound them down low, maybe. You guys think Gasol starting probably. Yeah, Gasol's going to – LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't like playing the five. So right. But even with the Spurs, right, you had Kawhi Leonard could lock down – Curry or Clay. Now, now who's he? Now he has to guard Durant. Who's going to guard? You're going to have Danny Green guard Clay Thompson. You have Tony Parker guard Steph Curry. Have fun with that. So like they did, they're a matchup nightmare. I'm too old. And like Pau Gasol, when they go to the small lineups, going to guard Draymond Green on the at the three point line. So you you look at the East then. Who can beat them? I'm not. Let's not even bother with that. To be honest, only Cleveland. Probably. I mean, you got. He can't go against LeBron. If he beats them again, if LeBron beats them again, he, he, he's then he's, the, he's up. He's, the, he might be he's one of the greatest. Two. He's top yeah. He's surpasses Michael Jordan. I, think. I don't know if he did. That's an interesting point. I definitely heard that a lot. People saying if LeBron beats a super team, is he better than Michael? Michael and, never beat a super team. Well, Michael was the super team. Exactly. I mean, he beat John Stockton and um, but Paul really Malone really with Jeff Hornacek. They, they had a good team. They didn't want a title. He beat though. Seattle with Gary Payton and Sean, Sean Kemp. Yeah, they won teams, over 60 games. Those teams never won a title, though. Because the they lost to Michael. Michael ruled that decade. That's only, he's a super team. But he, he kept a bunch of Hall of Famers ringless. He, so, he struggled against the Pistons until they were old. No, he, and then well, he Michael, beat them. Well, until Michael he got was also younger, too. Yeah, he was like, LeBron had the same thing. He couldn't get past the Celtics. He couldn't get past the Pistons. Yeah, until they were old. Yeah, so LeBron, <laughs> yeah, so, just, yeah. so it's it's gonna be an interesting season though. But Michael Jordan, the only team he couldn't he didn't beat in the nineties was the Houston Rockets, which you could argue that they kind of owe him a, a ring from that because <laughs> he went to play baseball. Been, he would have won eight straight if anything. You could you can make the argument for eight straight. But yeah, like uh, it's it's hard to tell right now who who went from the easy and from LeBron's side. I mean, the team is gonna be the same, but they might. They might not be elevated to another level. I feel like they, they are what they are. The Cavs? So, Plus, they have yeah. a lot of holes. Losing Mozgov, Delvadova. Yeah, they don't so. have a ton of money to play with. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's going to be tough for them. But I think it's also fair to say that the lockout that was basically done because Miami Heat created that super team when it was supposed to help small markets decimated it. And you can look at Oklahoma City. They The lockout put in a terrible luxury tax. Oklahoma City coming out of the lockout, they could have paid James Harden. They chose to trade him. They lose one superstar. And they didn't plan for the cap jump because of the TV deal, which allowed the Warriors to get under the cap. They offer Kevin Durant a max contract. So if anything, this, this um, the lockout and the CBA that was supposed to empower small market teams destroyed the most talented one. Don't you think that's more of an issue of mismanagement, though? Yeah, it is. I, yeah, I, but I, that, it's a. I understand that all those other factors come into play, but that sounds like more like a man a mismanagement problem than anything. Well, with Oklahoma City, they should have paid James Harden. I mean, you could go without back and forth. That that was without. the reason right there. Just make it thirty for thirty. What if I told you? It's basically the Orlando Magic the with a larger window. Shaq and Penny with a larger window, basically. They can That's make it. They can make it thirty for thirty. Of what if I told you if the four of them stayed together, they would have been what the Warriors are. But right I don't now. think I don't think they'll win. The Warriors will win 75, 77 games. I think they're going to play it a lot smarter. They got the regular season win record. Oh yeah, they understand. That, I think that they're, they're going to they're going to rest. That, yeah. And now Steve Kerr could theoretically rest guys and still win games because if you rest Steph Curry, you still have Klay Thompson, Durant, and Draymond Green. And yeah. if you rest Durant, you still have the you same still have the team that won seventy three games. 
Yeah, so it's so much that they can do, but the pressure's all on them now. Because now that even though Cleveland's champions and no one's talking about them, it shifts all to the Warriors now. The pressure is, can they win with this? It's going to be an interesting paradigm going from the NBA's darling, which kind of they were, to now the biggest supervillain since. Yeah. I still, I still, the I, last super team. I still see a healthy Knicks team could compete with them. I never yeah, said they can win. They'll they can, lose by 10 instead of 40. <laughs> no, I, I mean, matchup-wise, you can't. I can't say that they can't match up well with the Warriors. Who's Porzingis going to guard when they go small? The only problem is he's got to guard Durant. How's that going to turn out? I don't know. That's going to be hell. His feet ain't that quick. But Rose can possibly match up. He can match up quick wise if he's healthy. But yeah, with Curry. You think Courtney Lee could body up and match Clay Thompson shot for shot? He could defend. I don't know if we can match. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's that's what he's made his money on anyway. And Mel got Draymond Green on him. I'm also just going to post up on him. That's true. I mean, the Knicks are. The Knicks are a decent team. They should definitely make the playoffs in the East, but yeah, thank God. I don't think anyone's going to really give Golden State a legitimate shot in the East. I mean, we said the same thing last year, but who? I didn't under, I didn't realize that well, you know Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were going to forget how to shoot the ball in Game Seven. Well, Steph Curry we, was going to you know forget how to pass uh, in a nice way instead of throwing behind the back passes with five minutes to go and making turnovers. Well, and we also didn't away. expect Kyrie Irving to turn into. No, I would. I expected Irving to have a de- like. Turn to Kobe, not like turn to Kobe Bryant. I'm, I'm like me. Not, I didn't expect him to do that. Turn to Kobe. I thought he'd have a good game. I mean, he'd have to. They, it's NBA Finals. Everyone's gonna play their he best. I expected. But, I expected. I didn't expect Kevin Love to have a decent game seven. I expected Kyrie Irving to go off. Kevin Love was a real MVP of that game seven. Irving, he's like, he turned to Kobe Bryant that series, basically. He just he took over everything. He stuck the game winning three. Have you seen those ridiculous right shots? Side. It was he, unbelievable. He earned his titles, Mr. Ridiculous, with those I was, shots. Yeah, that he, he took. played incredibly well. He earned that title. And Mr. Ridiculous. Is that, you? is that you that's saying this, by the way? I'm saying he's Mr. Ridiculous. And so according to the great that. Skip Bayless, he should have been the MVP of the series. Skip, enjoy Fox. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't know I'm by now, I'm talking again. about shot time. They basically dared a guy to go home, and his and LeBron James, one of his better friends, just won a title going back home. If we talk about a superstar in the past five, ten years who's actually been all about the team, not named Dirk Nowitzki, it's Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade recruited two of the better players in the NBA to come there so that they could win a ring win rings, excuse me, in Miami. He's taking pay cut after pay cut to see if they can build a team around him. With the cap going up, this was the year that you kind of go, all right, we got you. Here's a little bit extra. Especially since he can still play. That's probably why they didn't give him the contract. They didn't want to end up like Kobe, like where he just gets injured. But Dwayne Wade Wade is the guy that you, he was never supposed to leave. Why wouldn't you pay him? He was, I think, one of those guys... Who the last guys you said this is a guy who's gonna finish his career with one team. And now he's not. And they did it to themselves. And he's it's not like he's going to a better team. Though. It's not like he's going to even a better team though. <laughs> I just have from a business perspective, you don't want to give a guy that much money. So they had to let him go. And it was a tough decision. You you want to talk business, here's business. You just told your fan base, hey, guess what? This guy who got us three rings isn't worth our money. This guy who had offer after offer in his prime to leave. The same year that LeBron came to Miami, Wade could have gone back to Chicago. Wade could have gone to New York. But nah, he wanted to stay right here. And for 13 years, he was the heart and soul of this organization, and we didn't feel like paying him. He's younger, he's, young, he's younger than Kobe Bryant than when Kobe got that ridiculous contract, and we decided not to pay him. But he's dumb. We would rather give a seven-foot journeyman who's 
put on a fantastic season, but we would rather max him out and try and slide Dwayne in with a meh contract instead of actually giving him what he's worth. But he's doubled so many injuries. He, he did. So. so what? Well, then you have the Kobe Bryant situation where you're basically in lottery purgatory for two years. For not, the length of that yeah. They still had a competitive team. Well, not if Chris Bosh doesn't come to win. Back. Not a team to win a championship, though. If, if not a team Chris to Bosch be a is, Chris, No, they competitive in the East, but if Chris Bosh doesn't recover from this blood clot Which issue, then you basically like have Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, Bosh might retire. With a semi-healthy Dwayne Wade. He, he should. I mean, it, it, no this isn't worth play. risking his life. You look at the Miami Heat now, they're not a playoff team. You have Goran Dragic has his own injury problems. Whiteside is, I guess, your go-to guy offensively. Who's their go-to guy offensively? A lot of things are big. A lot of things are bigger than basketball, and life is bigger than basketball. They're not even an AFC team. Like Chris Bosh is basically back in Toronto with warmer weather. I mean, I honestly don't see how they have to run the offense through him. Is his health going to hold up? Yeah, he's he's been out at the All Star break the last two years. I mean, that contract that Bosh has just looks bad now. Because it looks like well, they had the, the he was going to go to Houston, and he, his agent did a great job, said max him out, or he's going to go to Houston when LeBron left. So they had to if they wanted to keep Chris Bosh. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But you know, you look at Dwayne Wade now to the Bulls. I mean, this backcourt is awful right now from the shooting, shooting, shooting perspective. Shooting wise, oh, yeah. Boy. Oh, it's. They, I mean, def- defensively they're good, but they can't really. shoot. I don't even know defensively they're good. I mean, Rondo, Rondo, gets a, Rondo gets a lot of steals. He's a ball chaser. Ball, Butler can defend. Yeah, but he moves over to the three now. Wade and Spurts can defend, but not like you know he used to. Like, it, it's know, another uh, bad fit because you look at Fred Hoiberg wants to run up and down the court and shoot threes and. Dwayne Wade and Rondo they both don't want to run up and down the court because <laughs> you can't run Dwayne Wade up and down the court because his body will break down and neither of them could shoot threes. Yeah, I just, I mean, right now I see him as like a seven for a seeded team. Like I'm maybe, pay- maybe if, six. If this was 2011, 2008, <laughs> they'd be they'd have the best off season of any team. Same, it's you could say the same thing about the Knicks though. Unfortunately, also, but, they're just still better than the Bulls on paper. You know they are, so, but they they should make the playoffs in the East. I mean, a lot of people. Well, think because Dwayne Wade had a nineteen uh, average nineteen four and four, I think. And he, but the biggest stat game. is games have played. Yeah, I think, I think the year again. before he played under fifty, and then he played seventy. So that's why Pat Riley doesn't want to give him a two year contract. But you could say Dwayne Wade earned that. I think the same thing. He definitely earned um, that con- a bigger contract, especially sacri- opting out when LeBron left. He opted out of. He lost eleven million dollars out of that deal. So Miami definitely deserved to give Dwayne Wade the what's now known as the Colby or the legacy contract. Look at what Dallas just did for Dirk Nowitzki. Gave him a two-year, $40 million deal. Well, they had to. There's no they no, there's no one that they could have gotten, so they had to give him that money. Yeah, and you could say the same thing about Miami. Exactly. Who are they going to get to replace Dwayne Wade? Justice Winslow. He plays the three. He's there. Is Josh Richardson ready? Is even, he if, even, if he, even if he is, it's still a bad move. Is Winslow their franchise player, though? Now, if you're watching him play in the summer league, no. <laughs> well, Whiteside ain't their franchise player either. Well, they, they paid him like contract-wise, They he paid is. him like one. But he's limited on offense. Exactly. And this so guy, he's a shot blocker. He's not really a guy who can, like, defend the I thing. think if you look at the analytics, their defense net rating is actually worse when he's on the court. Yeah. So he, he kind of has a, like DeAndre Jordan syndrome where yeah, like yeah. he blocks a lot of shots, gets a few rebounds, and people think he's like the next Bill Russell. Now, if he develops a post game, maybe that's a different story, but he has no post game. Now right you just now. have to double him 
I mean, who else could score on that Miami Heat team? Tony Drogic, but that guy never barely Drogic stays healthy either. streaky as they come. Exactly. But one thing you can't, I mean, Pat Riley's had some great moves, but this is a real black mark on his legacy. Especially, It's not just because of him. It's the whole thing the Miami Heat sell. They sell Heat Lifer, Heat Family. And you let the guy who embodies that just walk out the door. You got to trade for Westbrook? With both middle fingers in the air. Yeah, basically, like, you guys told Dwayne Wade to, like, screw off after all he's done for that organization. How many championships did Miami win before Dwayne Wade got there? Zero. Nothing. Like, what did you know Miami for? Being the number one seed, losing to the eighth seed Knicks. And Dwayne Wade turned that franchise around completely. And then you just let him walk out the door over you, you, a monetary dispute. And this is about two years in a row where there's been contentious negotiations. And their only highlight before losing that 1-8 matchup was being the first team to pay some $100 million. Hi, Alonzo Mourning. You think you think Pavel has a way of like trading for Westbrook? They don't have the assets. They don't have anybody to trade for. I think Westbrook might go there in free agency, but then you have to get rid of Dragic. I mean, I, that's what Pat Riley's doing, though. He's... he's Banking on the, the next summer when the free agent when the cap will spike up a little bit, when more free agents will come out, you got Westbrook coming out. You get the, everyone's going to be after him. Isn't Griffin coming? Wait, Griffin's, Blake Griffin's going to be a free agent, so he's going to bank on selling the Miami Heat. But his pitch has gone down significantly. Where what am I are you going to say? Who Griffin? He's Clip, a, I mean, not wait, the Lakers or Clippers? Unless Griffin will be, probably stay. He could just stay with the Clippers. Yeah, most likely. But it's I mean, Chris Paul's a free agent after next year, I think. Also, yeah. so. But They're, Pat Riley's pitch and the Heat's pitch of we're a family, we're a Heat Lifer family. Well, he's sad now. That's all I know. Well, it, it you can't use it anymore because you kicked the one guy who embodied that out the door. We are joined in studio, rather by phone, by one of the city's finest, the one and only Stefan Marbury on the phone with us right now. Steph, it's Unqua, Ray, and Jeremy. How you doing today? I'm blessed, man. How you doing? Very, very good. Thank you so much for joining us today. A lot better now that we're speaking to an NYC legend. This is very, very true. How has it been since you've been, I know you say you're always here, but just what's it like whenever you get a chance to come home and spend time with your people? It's always great to be home. Um, you know, I go during the season. After the season, I come back, and then I'm, I'm in um, America, back and forth to China. What's it like? Oh, sorry. What's it like getting received the way you do get received in China and kind of I know you were talking about it on Real Sports with um Brian Gummel and kind of connecting the Brooklyn Bridge to the Great Wall. Um, basically, that's what it is. It's, it's nothing but love there. Um, it's a great experience. It's been a great experience. Uh, that's my home. <clears throat> that's where I live at, along with living in America. Um, it's just it's, it's positive, man. That's it. It's no stress. Positive. That's great to yeah. hear. Great life. I'm sorry. I said that was great to hear. Let's and, you know, switching it to basketball. What's the level of competition like compared to the Chinese league and the NBA? Because you see a lot of great guys coming out of China and Americans go over there. Like Michael Beasley puts up numbers and he comes over to the Houston Rockets and has a great has a nice second half of the year. So what's the competition like over there? Um, the competition is good. It's tough. It's hard. You know, you got to do a lot of different things um, in order to play. Like the structure here is one, two, three, four, five. There, there's no position. You know, you have to be able to play a multitude of different positions. You have to be able to score. If you can't score, they don't really have a use for you. Um, they've sent guys home who couldn't score because um, they thought that 
because of their name in the NBA that they would probably be able to play um, the same style. But it's a different style because it's not man-to-man. So you can play zone, you can play boxing one, you can play triangle twos. So you have to know how to play against those type of systems. And the NBA, the NBA is easy. It's one-on-one. <laughs> so it's not that's not really hard, you know, when somebody's guarding you one-on-one and you'll get called for illegal defense if you don't, you know, play your man, play, play the area or the man or touch. So... You know, it's, it has its complications as far as the game is structured, but as far as the way how um, the talent, you know, the NBA is by far the best league because of the money. So because they pay a lot of money, the attraction is, is there. But if they was given $250 million contract to guys in China, I'm sure guys will leave and go play in China. So it's just time before it continues to evolve. I think this changes the game with how they basically spent a lot of money on some of these players, which is great. It's great for basketball and it's great for the players because guys are deserving of that type of money with the money that they're making off of guys. So yeah, especially when the jersey's going so for $150. So how did you feel um, about all this, these players getting all these ridiculous contracts? Like, You think it's it's right for these players I getting it? I think it's great. You think it's great? Yeah, I think it's great. Do you think with the owners selling, you know, you look at the jerseys selling for $150, you have team evaluations going for over a billion. Do you think the players, yeah. is that why it's such a great thing for players to get these type of contracts? Yeah, it doesn't cost that much to make the jersey. They can spend based upon the numbers of orders of how many jerseys they make. I mean, they're selling for $150. The jerseys could cost maybe not even... Like $5 to make, right? $5, maybe. Five dollars the most, maybe. And that's I mean, because if you buying a certain amount of orders, it, it knocks the price down. Exactly, and that's kind of what you're doing with your Starberry line that's relaunching. I mean, my my line is basically is just I've just created access for all. That's all. I mean, I'm just giving people something affordable at an affordable price. You know, people want to identify cheap with affordable. They misunderstanding what's affordable and what's cheap. Quality is is good enough to basically wear and rock. You know, you're not. I'm not charging people two hundred dollars for sneakers. That's crazy. Jordan should be. You know, at this point, you know, you would think that he would have a mind to actually change that around after people have been killed and shot over years. Not just like one incident. Like this is an ongoing thing. You would think that the price would change, but. It just shows the difference in humans. We're talking to the one and only Stefan Marbury on Slam City. Steph, I got to ask you, what was it? Because when I was in high school, I actually went there and bought a bunch of those shoes because, A, we could afford them, and, B, I liked the way they look. What was it that really want that really made you want to start a clothing line to make it accessible? I mean, I'm from the hood. I grew up on food stamps, and my mom didn't have, so people gave us hand-me-downs, and we were super appreciative. There were seven people in my family, seven, you know, kids in the family. You know, my mother did, my mother and father did the best that they could, and playing basketball, you need shoes. So for me, 
it was important to be able to provide that. I've been playing basketball since I was two years old, and all my brothers played basketball at a high level in college, high school and college. You know, my oldest brother played at Georgia with Dominique Wilkins. My other my brother next to him played at Texas A&M. Another brother played at St. Francis, who was highly recruited, and then I came Georgia Tech, and then my little brother played at Rhode Island. So all of us played, you know, college basketball and, and dominated. So for us, you know, we understand this business. We understand basketball. We get it. And people don't know this about me. So a lot of people are learning new things about me because they were only told really bad things because of me not being one of the dudes that cared about what they wrote. I'm like, if it's not true, why would I care? It doesn't matter. You know, you say I play bad or I'm not this or I'm not that, but when you start talking about me where everything is in a negative light, I mean, something is wrong. You know, it has to be. It can't be everybody writing the same thing. Somebody's got to be off. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah, so, you know, basically that's what it is. And creating all of this is all connected together. You know, us knowing basketball, us growing up the way we grew up, us not having, you know, and now being able to provide to people all over the world. I mean, it's a blessing. You know, going back to the basketball side, you know, you were here, you heard reports about KD going to the Warriors. You've probably been following up with the NBA. How did you feel about his decision on that? I mean, I really think that he was set up. I don't think he doesn't control the price point. They just pay Kevin Durant, and he wears the product. He don't. He doesn't own that. He doesn't own it fifty-one percent or a hundred percent. He doesn't own Nike, and I don't think he owns the right to be able to sell a product wherever he wants, and Nike not make any money off of him. So he doesn't own it. I think that was all set up, and I think the way how he said it, you know, it may have came off a little. I mean, it may have came off the wrong way, but I don't really think he's that type of dude from seeing him mal-mannered. I think he's conforming into something because because he's starting to realize how some people are, and he's starting to see certain things, and he's growing, and he's becoming more of a man, so... He took a stance on it, and I think that, you know, he'll retract or he'll say he didn't mean it in that sense. He's just basically saying, I'm an elite player. I should be looked at as an elite player. You know, but the shoes don't identify you in being elite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely get it. When did you kind of get that mindset that you are an independent thinker, you don't conform to the big shoe companies and things like that? What kind of brought you to that line of thinking? I mean, I always just felt I'd rather own than be owned. I never wanted anyone to own own me or feel like they did. You know, I feel like we all have equal rights in building whatever it is that should be built. But I think for myself, you know, I know my worth. <clears throat> and when I was in the NBA, they never really showed my worth, my worth through my game. You know, I was one of the guys that played in the All-Star game two times in my career, but... My numbers were Hall of Fame numbers. You know, I was, how can you have the higher, how can you sell more jerseys than Shaq, Kobe, LeBron, the number one selling jersey, and not playing the All-Star game? I thought it was a popularity contest. 
Exactly. As far as what the fans like and who the fans like. Come on, man. You know, at the end of the day, the NBA makes the decision and who's going to start and who's going to play. They're the ones that see the numbers. Yeah, and who is going to basically play and who's not. And plus, it's all about no. the eye test, too. Like, when you watch, you, when we would watch you play, we would be like, wow, you know, Steph's one of the top point guards in the league. I mean, look at my teams. I played in New Jersey. Everybody got hurt when I came there. I was playing with guys that were signing 10-day contracts. How did you win with guys that are signing 10-day contracts and four of your main players are not playing that played the previous year in the playoffs? How does that work? And when did it start where one player – wins and wins the playoffs. I mean, when it goes to the championship by himself. I don't, I never in my life seen it. So when they say he's never done this or he's never done that, it makes no sense at all. But other people see it <laughs> and read it. And then I'm, you know, when I speak about it, it's more of like, well, that does make sense. I'm like, yeah, more people follow what doesn't make sense at the same time than what does make sense at the same time. So- and I'm aware Absolutely. So so keeping in that line of thinking, when you saw all the criticisms of LeBron James and even some of the ones of Kevin Durant going to a supposedly stronger team, from your point of view, is it fair to knock them for trying to get to the strongest team possible? People are going to knock people just because that's how they are. When you're a free agent, you can do whatever you want to do. So no one can speak about that. Now, if you want to have an opinion about how you feel, that's okay because you're watching the sport. But because of because of you forming your opinion and how you feel, that doesn't have anything to do with LeBron or Kevin Durant. They shouldn't care about how people feel about something that they're doing with their lives when they are free. That's why it's called free agency. So they can do whatever they want. And if it's beneficial for him and he feels that it's going to allow him to prosper in the sport that he's playing in, that's fine. He doesn't have to be Bird, Magic, Kobe, stay on one team and do that. I mean, Shaq played on a multitude of different teams. Why? Because he was cornering different parts of America and people knowing him and, you know, building his legacy out. You know what I'm saying? I unfortunately I, I was traded to different teams, but I wanted to stay on. I wanted to stay in New Jersey. I wanted to stay in Phoenix. I wanted to stay in New York, but it didn't work out that way. Only place I didn't want to stay was was Minnesota, and that was only because it was freezing cold, and I was 18 <laughs> years old, going from Atlanta to Minnesota. So I was culture shock. It's eight percent white people in 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 Minnesota. There's really not that many black people. So I went to school in Atlanta and at Georgia Tech where it's predominantly black people I see most of the time. And then I'll go to I go to Minnesota at eighteen years old, nineteen years old, I was like, Oh my God, what happened? But I love playing basketball there. The fans was great. It it was all awesome. It just the diversity wasn't it wasn't there. And that wasn't the main thing, because I could deal with that. But the freezing, but waking up when it's 40 below and you can't go outside and it feels like you're going to die when you're walking outside, I couldn't deal with that at that age. But now I'm older, I understand, I get it, you know. But at that point, I I wasn't ready to commit seven years of my life to that. 
because I still had to live. And, you know, I think people think, oh, you, you play basketball, you should be. No, I shouldn't be nothing but what I want to be in my life. Well, how do you respond to, you know, the legend saying about Durant, this her legacy, they took the easy way out? How would you respond to them? Everybody got their opinion. I'm, I'm not responding to someone's opinion. That's what they feel, then whatever. Doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's just talking conversation right now. When he starts playing and he's killing, nobody, nobody's going to be talking about that. People are going to be going to buy Durant Golden State jerseys. Exactly. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. This is all conversation. It's just talk for now because there's no basketball and it's dry and it's dead right now. And we got everybody's watching baseball right now. All the world games are preparing for the Olympics, which is cool. That's going to be pretty cool. I can't wait to go to that. Did you? What was it like playing for Team USA when you played for it? Just I know the experience. On, the it was good, a bad experience. Period. Okay. Yeah, it was a bad experience. Why was that? Larry Brown. I think Larry Brown, he was trying to coach us like it was his team instead of coaching the dream team. That's how he was coaching, like telling guys how to play, play the right way, do this, do that. Focus on winning the game. That's what we should have been focusing on. There was too much other drama going on that he created, you know, from the way how he coaches and his style, you know, trying to get guys to conform during the time when he's trying to get guys to, to perform. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I would agree with that, especially watching the way that team played. And being you, the 1996 draft class is regarded as probably one of the best ever. You're really the only active player right now. There's talks Ray Allen might come out of retirement, but you're still really playing in overseas. What's it like to be the last remaining member of that historic draft class still playing professional basketball? It was written. Glad to hear. We're talking to Stefan Marbury. An incredible interview thus far. Steph, I want to take you back to high school for a second. <laughs> what what was it like going from being the man at Lincoln to having to go to Georgia Tech? Matter of fact, what were your Lincoln days like? Um, it was like a rock star life. I mean, I had my my junior senior year, I had ABC following me around for a year and a half. So when I did that 2020 piece, the shooter star, um, that that was basically it was a, a very promising time of what I, what my future could possibly be by seeing all of that stuff on TV. Hold on one second. No problem. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Perfect. Appreciate that. Did, did, did you did you see any similarities between you and Lance Stevenson? Because when, when I was when we were no. going to school, none at all. They don't play Why the do you same. say that? Because different we don't play the same. Lance is a big guard. He plays. He's more of a. I understand that, but I mean, in, it in don't two, matter if he's a small guard or a yeah. big guard. We don't. We don't have the same style of play. Steph's but, a scorer. I get that, but what I mean is, in the way that he was heralded. It was definitely it wasn't even close between you and Lance, was it? In the way that both of you had sort of your your celebrity and people paying attention to everything you guys both did at Lincoln, it's not even close, is it? I mean, it's just two different games. It's just not the same. 
Steph, why do you think you're an athlete that's really accessible to the people? You know, we got this interview because you posted on the Internet that, you know, you're looking to talk to people and things like that. Why do you think more athletes aren't more accessible to the people like you are? I don't know. Interesting. Uh, I wanted to ask, you know, because you grew up in New York, you know, you see what the Knicks are doing right now. You think they're heading into the right direction with the moves that Phil Jackson's done? Yes. They they should be dealing with for a championship. <clears throat> what makes you say that? Because they got Phil Jackson and he's putting the pieces around that you need in order to win a championship. You can't just win a championship with one guy. You need three guys you need a big, you need everyone to commit, you need a bench, and then you got to have the faith and the belief. It's hard to win a championship. Trust. It takes a lot of effort. You think Porzingis is the, the future of the franchise when Will Jackson drafted him last year? Um, He has potential to be a really good player. Right now, I got to see what he does next this year. I want to see how hard he works. I want to see. If, I want to see if he can put on ten to fifteen pounds. If he comes back the same way, I'm not. I'm not. I don't see that. You know, as a professional playing for so long, over twenty, twenty-one years. You know, I don't go on what people go on on hype. You know, hype itself. But at the end of the day, that person has to do it. Indeed. So going back to the comment you said about the Knicks winning a championship. Do you think that they you think that they can beat this newly composed Warrior team? Say it again. You think that the Knicks, as currently comprised, could beat this new Golden State Warrior team that they put together for a chip? I think they. I'm, I didn't say they're going to win a championship this year. I said they're in the direction in winning a championship with Phil. I think you know the, the moves that they made. They will definitely make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Um, they have a chance to go to Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals because, I mean, with those three guys and the way how they should play, I think they will win a lot of games. I think this is going to revitalize New York. It's going to bring the basketball culture back to where it's supposed to be. Steph, do you see any parallels between the way you and Carmelo are covered by the media when you were here? And Come on, when... man. You know New York media, man. It's designed, it's designed to sell newspapers. Exactly. Period. So, do you when you look at the NBA landscape now? You're talking about the how China has like the family atmosphere and it's based on trust. When you see something that happens with like Dwayne Wade and the Miami Heat contentious negotiations, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, the future has to come, man. They got to new guys have to come and replace the guys that was the future. The franchise isn't going anywhere. The players, they will go. They will come and go. Do you think it's fair that they're viewed as entities when they do so much for the community and contribute so much to the overall landscape? The relationship is still there. It's just the business. You know, the business is the business. That's it. It's, you know, the relationship stays consistent. What, they, what they've done, they help, they've helped people. So, you know, whenever you have a guy like Dwayne Wade leaving Miami, you know, where, he's, where his next destination, and what we see is he went, he went back home, so you can't can't argue with that. Well, you know, looking at the NBA right now, you see, you, like we said before, you know, uh, athletes getting a lot of money, but the direction where it is, the sport itself, you know, going over the MLB, NFL, you think it's up there now, like possibly number one in a couple of years? 
I think basketball will continue to grow globally. I don't think it's just going to be here. For instance, when we played our finals, we had over 168 million people watch, watch the finals in China. But, you know, the numbers from the the perspective of how many people are there, it should, like, that number is low. You know what I'm saying? But that's one game people watch. I'm not speaking about the series. I'm speaking about one game. In America, there's 16, 17 million people that watch. That's a lot of people in, the, in America. But that's what we were programmed to think because we didn't know anything else. Like, we didn't, I didn't know that there were 300, over 300 million people that played basketball in China. You imagine that? 300 million people, it's only census report, if you look it up, it's probably 317 right now, 314, 317, no more than 320, 320 million people in America. So that means that if there are 300 million people that play basketball in China, just imagine if everybody had a basketball and they bouncing it. It's like bouncing it on everybody's head in America. <laughs> <laughs> That's how many people they are. So when I see those numbers and I see that, I know that the market is not just huge and big. It's, it's a place where growth and development will take place. It's just time. Do you think the overall level of play in terms of strategy and guys being able to, in China with the, how you talked about earlier, the different types of defenses that are played is better to watch than the NBA when people just go one-on-one all the time? I mean, it will be a lot. It will be, I'll tell you one thing, the strategy will change completely. The game will be more intense because every possession, every play, when a big guy can stand in the middle of the paint and you can't just go to the basket, but when you do get to the basket, that's when you show you show your craft and what you know how to do really well. Because you know everybody's going to be in the paint. So if you, if you get to the basket and you score, you use speed, quickness, stakes, everything. You use everything you have to use to get to the rack. All right. Before, before we let you go, can we ask you about where we can get your new shoes? StopEvery.com. All right. Gotta go. Peace. That was Stefan Marbury. New shoes, same man. Um, I'm. This is embarrassing. I don't know what to say right now. Well, the one thing I can say is that he believes that the Knicks are in the right direction right now with the pieces. So that's a positive Very for us Knicks fans. Very yeah. high on the Knicks. Yeah, that's a, a positive. A lot of interesting bro. stuff talking about how Kevin Durant was quoted earlier saying that he wasn't an eighty-eight dollar player, and that's why his shoes are priced at one hundred fifty dollars. It was a lot of. It was very interesting. Your Steph's thoughts on that—that that he got caught up in the Nike system and hearing from a guy who really never really held back. He always was him. You could say what you want about how he played, which and all the things like that, where where everything went down in New York. But he's always been genuine. I mean, when when we sort of take the last twenty minutes or so just talking to him versus a lot of what you would read about or or, or hear other people say about him. He was right about one thing. Somebody's got to be lying when it comes to the way someone is portrayed. That's true. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, he made great points about that. And, you know, also playing in China and and It was great to hear his thoughts on that. Yeah, the style. He thinks China is more intricate style in the NBA with the different defenses they throw, the different offenses that come out of it. That was really enlightening. The NBA is all one-on-one, and he really broke it down really well for – 
pretty much even the average listener who doesn't really watch a ton of NBA, who he broke it down, and especially the population in China, the 168 million people he said watched the yeah. final game in Beijing. And more importantly, about when he was playing here earlier, like he had put up some Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, would you put him in, in the Hall of Fame, even with his China, or no? I'm not sure if you'd combine the China numbers. There's, there's no way I you mean, can do that. What they did with Yao Ming, in addition to him as a player, they did it as a contributor. I mean, he's done a lot for basketball in China. I mean, he's still ongoing, so you can't really call it a career. He has, I think he's won three championships over there. So he's still playing, which is unbelievable at his age. Yeah, it really is. And hopefully he continues that way. And, you know, we got those shoes coming out. Especially when they get come. I actually can't. Matter of fact, let, I'm going to go to Starberry.com right now. <laughs> When's the last time you guys got a shoe? I think I was, I was a little kid, I got basically. it. I really did get him in high school. My Going into my junior year of high school, I got one to play ball in, which actually held up pretty well, and two others that I rocked until I couldn't fit into them anymore. Like Those are actually pretty solid shoes. And the shorts, too. Shorts were really good. I mean, I, I, don't, I never got the shorts. Oh, because, shorts were nice. Right. I mean, they were good to just wear and go places with. But the shoes, they always look nice. And I can't wait for these shoes to come out. I'm going to buy a couple of pairs for sure. Especially with the price and how cheap and affordable it is for yeah. people. And he really talked about that. How he, he, grew up it, in, yeah. he grew up in the hood and he really doesn't feel like paying $200 for shoes is reasonable, which it isn't. I mean, that's a whole other discussion we could go into. But, you know, Stefan, you could say what you want about him, but he always is giving back to the community and trying to make an impact off the basketball court. Yeah. And it's a good thing we had the time to talk to him. So even though we didn't get to say it before, you had to dip out. Thanks, Steph. The fight meant a lot to me, and the fight's not happening. So just really wanted to apologize to everybody sincerely. Is it too late now to say sorry? Oh, Jesus, what the? <laughs> oh, John Jones. You moron. It's not as bad as what you just did. Kidding yeah, me? That yeah, was that on was pitch terrible. and everything. Excuse you? Know, you? Terrible song, Excuse though. you? I know it's a terrible song, but it fits this because John Jones a moron. It's not great. It's not a good look. UFC 200's cursed. <laughs> if you look, first, you have McGregor pulling out and Dana White throwing him off the card. Then you can bring Brock Lesnar back as trying to get the big draw. And then three days before what's supposed to be your main event with Jones and Cormier facing off again. Cormier has Jones's belt because Jones got suspended for a ton of off the out of the cage incidents. It's looking bad for the sport. Yeah, no, no, overall. it looks terrible for the sport. And if you saw the UFC did this thing unplugged where they filmed Dana White telling Daniel Cormier, and Daniel Cormier just was so pissed and was like, "I'll sign a release. I just want to fight him. I just want to get in the cage and prove that I'm the better fighter." And it's just so bad for the sport. It's terrible for John Jones, who's just unpredictable i mean he's the ufc's biggest star but you can't really bank on him anymore he's unpredictable in terms of following the law and now you can't even even test take drugs or whatever happened to him i don't even understand it it's just bad overall because you you see these guys that you know work out hard for you know wrestling boxing skills and going to the cage against these guys and, and then they do steroids or they do something because of drug test yeah i mean it just makes you look bad like are these guys really what they are, they're just a bunch of, you know, cheaters. I mean, honestly, when when we look just at his situation in general, I have a bunch of questions. Like, what are you doing anywhere near the vicinity that anything can happen? Especially if you have a past history. But how do you know what you're not, how do you not know what you're putting in your body? I've never understood you're a professional that logic. Athlete. I've never understood that logic. What, some trainer just says, yo, take this. And here's the thing. 
most trainers have to be run through the league, I would assume, or at the very least, the league has to have some sort of say about who does what, when, where, and why. And yet, somehow, this stuff magically ends up in your body. How paranoid can you possibly be? I don't know, just maybe the athletes feel like they need it in their body. They need that. They just need they the mental no, edge. Yeah, they need the mental but edge of the player, and they're not confident. You know, in themselves. you're gonna get caught. Exactly. So why? So why you... do it? And the athletes just do this stupid stuff, and then you question yourself: like, is it worth watching them play? Is it worth watching the sport? They replace Jones with Anderson Silva, but imagine if Daniel Cormier doesn't get a fight and loses out on this gigantic payday. Is that these UFC fighters? It's not like they make a ton of money. Some of them do. The most marketable ones do, but the McGregors of the world. You could, but yeah, a guy like Daniel Cormier probably could was banking on a lot because this is going to be a giant payday UFC two hundred. But at least he got another fight. It's so disappointing with John Jones not being able to fight, and it's all for self inflicted reasons. Well, his career is in turmoil, turmoil for self inflicted reasons. Even the one loss he has on his record, he won the fight but got disqualified for like elbows or something like that, or forearms to the head. He got a DQ, so he, he actually won that. So he's, he's really self-destructing, which is unbelievable. It's crazy. My question to you, Jeremy, and particularly because you've really sort of taken everything involving fighting on, is Anderson Silva's replacement, John Jones, we already know it's going to be worse, but is it really that bad? I mean, from a name perspective, you have Anderson Silva, but the guy just had gallbladder surgery two months ago. Like, oh, like, so well, he's old. Down for he's sure. old. He had gallbladder, so he's still a great fighter. I think he tested positive for some type of performance enhancing drugs a couple of fights back. So expect UFC two hundred to be a disaster. I mean, you got Bla- you <laughs> got Brock Lesnar. You have Brock Lesnar coming out of retirement. I don't think he's fought in the octagon since. 2011. Yeah, really so that's your co-man. I mean, you have the uh, Misha Tate fight defending her belt, so maybe that'll be interesting. But she's not fighting Ronda Rousey or rematching with Holly Holm. So yeah, the sport's not going in the right direction. What right should now, be the so. crowning event of UFC? How, especially with Dana White and the Fertitta brothers, how they basically brought it back from bankruptcy. This is the crowning achievement. UFC 200 is kind of not really going to live up to the hype, at least in my opinion. At least for now, but they got to figure out how to do it with, with the next scorecard. They got to make sure that these guys are, are there. They're not drug tested or, you know, they fail the drug test or they're not. Or at least you have a, you don't kick like Conor McGregor off the card for not showing up to a press conference. I mean, I, I guarantee Dana White wants would want, he's not going to admit it, but I guarantee he wants Conor McGregor in for this weekend right now. Oh, of course. You need somebody like that. Now, now with all this. I mean, I don't know who the star power. I mean, you got Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier. Yeah, Brock Lesnar, but is, is he the same fighter he was a few years ago? I doubt it. Honestly, doubt it. the only thing I think about Brock Lesnar is him beating The Undertaker in wrestling. That, that's really <laughs> all I remember him for right now. I mean, he's a physical beast. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's a giant. But in terms of fighting, I don't know. I mean, he has his wrestling skills. I'll give him that. Yeah, but he's fighting with Mark Hunt. It's going to be, I guess it's going to be interesting. People are going to tune in to want want to see Lesnar return to the octagon, but... Yeah. It, it's definitely a disappointment for fight fans who were really expecting a conclusion to the Jones-Cormier rivalry, and they're not going to get that. And you also have to feel for Daniel Cormier, because he lost to John Jones, and he got the belt, and people are saying, you know, it's not really his belt. Jones was suspended, and this was his chance to prove that he's the better fighter, and now he's not going to get that opportunity. What do you expect from this night, though? Is it going to be a decent average night it should be. ratings i mean it should be dana white's been saying all along i mean it's his job to promote it but he says the pay-per-view tracking is looking to be gigantic so people are gonna buy it because ufc is such a 
pop more. It's really emerging as a popular sport. The company, there are rumors that it's going to sell for over $4 billion. Uh, I think it'll be a good event. You know, there's one New York team that hasn't been really been talked about a lot, and it should be because they've been the only consistent winning basketball team in the past two or three years. That's New York Liberty. You know, they won last Wednesday. Me, Unqua, Jeremy, we were there at the game. By last Wednesday, he means two days ago, folks. Yeah, two days ago. We were there. And it was uh, it was almost like they almost blew the game due to turnovers. But they found a way to win, as Bill Lambeer said in the press conference. And, you know, the one thing about this team is that they got a lot of players in playing a lot of minutes. And I don't know how long they're going to last, even through the season. But I think they're going to be a team that's going to be in the conversation of being the finals. They should have been last year, but they missed that opportunity. But I think this year they're definitely going to be there. I mean, last year, they faced an Indiana team that just refused to go away. Tamika Catchings, it's very, very tough to bet against her in any situation. But what the Liberty have kind of done this year, they've kind of rebuilt their depth a little bit, you know, trading for Shoney Schimmel. And the funny thing about it is they're still having this great success with Tanisha Wright running the point. But Epiphany Prince made them go last year, really, and she's still out. So when she bounces back from injury... If she's able to do so before the Olympic break, I think that's going to do wonders for them. And they're already the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, the only for the best team in the in the game though is still Sparks, even though they have like a five game win over them. But you know, Shia Machars is still going to be in a conversation for at league MVP. You know, she's been being consistent throughout the whole season. I can see that happening uh, Friday night when they face well today, basically when they face Ellie Don Chicago Sky at eight thirty. But um, it should be an interesting matchup. Because the thing is this. Tina Charles has already won an MVP, you know. And what Coach Lane Beer, because I talked to him before the game, he said the one thing they focused on that offseason was individual improvement. Because the Liberty was a very strong defensive unit last year, but scoring kind of came and went. Tina Charles is on fire. She's taking threes. She's dishing it from the high post where she likes to work. You know, you have Carolyn Swords who kind of switches in between Kia Stokes, switches in with Kia Stokes, excuse me. And, you know, this time the team seems to have a bit more more pieces to the puzzle that can get the job done. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at this lineup right now. You know, they can't say that they can't all score together. Now, I know they almost blew it uh, last Wednesday, but... I know they can all score. But the thing is this. That Seattle Storm team, they faced Sue Bird, an all-time women's player, period. Yeah. She had a terrible game, though. She did. She had 10 assists. 2 of 12, though. She didn't <laughs> shoot well. She didn't shoot throw. well. She right. and Brianna Stewart She almost had a double-double about shooting, throws. basically. She almost had a double-double. But, you know, Brianna Stewart is a very interesting player. You know, Lambeer said in the press conference, and he said it like pretty much like, she, she, why is she so successful? Some reporter asked her, and she's like, because she's 6'5", and she has long arms, and she can <laughs> score. And she was from UConn, from winning basketball, you know, culture and college and everything. And, you know, he, he wasn't surprised that she had this much success. He was surprised, though, that, the, you know, her rebounding, because she had 60 rebounds that game, and she almost willed that team to to winning the game. But, you know, she's, she's going to be a rookie. She'll be a rookie of the year, most likely. Yeah, her and Tina Charles went back and forth. That was a very fun, exciting matchup to watch. Yeah, it was. And I asked Tina Charles about it. You know, the difference between her and, and Candace Parker is that Parker has more experience than her. But, you know, she's going to be a great player most likely. And we're going to be around the team a lot more as the season starts to, you know, sort of 
unfold. wind down and unfold and things of that nature. Thank you, Jeremy, because my words sometimes tend to fail me. And they do have the one Olympian in, in Tina Charles that's going to be going to Rio for the game. So. And Swin Cash's retirement tour. Oh, boy. It's so There's a lot going on with the Liberty. Last year, they were profiled by the Players' Tribune the whole season, and it really allowed people to see pieces of the backgrounds of each of the women on that team. So maybe we won't be able to do quite that, but, you know, we have the access and the platform. So we, we're going to do our best to use it. We have our coverage. You can follow us on, you know, Instagram and Snapchat, all that stuff. Twitter. About behind the scenes, yeah, Twitter, behind the scenes, some photos of anything. You know, we're going to do as much as we can. To close the show, because... I can't lie. This, this recording, this has been a fantastic distraction from what's happened over the last 48 hours, but it's, it's tough to shake. To be honest with you, when you hear the phrase Black Lives Matter, it gets very, very divisive. And it really doesn't need to be. Because when that phrase is brought up, it's brought up to accentuate the fact that in this country, especially where the police are concerned, there have been issues. Sometimes they, quote, seemingly come out of nowhere, other times, it's, exa- it's exacerbated by tensions that are already there between the community and the police. The one thing that I cannot bear to watch is when people justify the death of individuals for no reason. It's very hard to tell anyone of color or anyone with sense, in my opinion, that a mass murderer can be walked into Burger King and taken to jail, but someone pulled over at a traffic stop and someone selling CDs out of a corner store end up dead. There's no plausible explanation you can give me that will ever, ever, ever excuse it. And when I sit and, and I look back and there are people who have reached out, first of all, for everyone who has reached out to me over the past couple of days, much love and appreciation because it, 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 hit, it hit home for me. It hit home for a lot of black men and women. And when it gets to a point that enough is enough, then something like what happens yesterday with cops getting shot, it's... It's so, so, so sad. So to to anyone who is affected by this, particularly black men and women, let me say this. Don't let anybody tell you how to feel about this. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Because there's no way we as people can progress and go on If all we're going to do is subject ourselves to the never-ending cycle of it's happening again. This keeps happening over and over and over again. 
Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Man, it's... You know, I just I want to say something about that whole thing situation. Though, but it's just in this country, and I always kept saying this, is that racism will never end. You know, racism will, will always be around because there's always going to be that one person that will dislike somebody because of who they are and, and you know, what they do or, or what stereotype it is. And that's just, that's the society in which we live in. And we got to just, you know, accept that. And it sucks to accept it because Martin Luther King was one of those people no. with all that. No, no, but that's no, no. how it is. No, you, you don't, you don't have to accept it. Nobody has to accept it. That's, that's the entire point of the movement in general. That's why people are speaking out against it in the first place because it is unacceptable. It is. But are are we going are we going are we going to continue to stand by and watch these sort of things happen? It's ridiculous. And now you look at some of the athletes doing a really great job using their platform to kind of spread the message you're talking about how this is unacceptable. It isn't. But, but what between you gotta, between what you LeBron do? James who has always been vocal about these matters Dwayne Wade has said some things. I mean, the list really goes on and on around the NBA, around the WNBA, particularly because on those in for those two leagues, that's where you see the highest concentration of black men and black women playing. So, I mean, it's sick to see it, but what are you gonna do to prevent it? Like, what are you gonna do to stop it? You could do all about all this unity and all that stuff, but is it really? Is it gonna be worth it? Do you have a choice? Yeah, we all have choices. If you, do the right if, thing. if you choose to stand at the side while this is happening, and I don't give a damn where you come from, if you if you have an opportunity to do something, to say something, to prevent it, and you choose not to, you're a coward. If you have an opportunity to stop it in its tracks when you see it, when you hear it, and you turn a blind eye to it, you are the problem. And there's no excuse for it. None. Not when people drop dead, and this has been happening for decades. It is inexcusable on every imaginable level. How dare you fix yourself to call yourself an American and people who don't look like you go down day in and day out. And you have nothing to say. You spend your time blaming those who were there doing whatever it was they were doing. And your answer to all of this is, well, he could have done this. She could have done that. Since when, since when is a traffic stop a ticket for death? It shouldn't be. Since when does walking out of one's own house merit a round of shots? None of this is new, ladies and gentlemen. Not a single bit of this is new. It's been happening for years. The only reason why it's getting so much attention now, the advent of social media and this 24-hour news cycle. So it's like I said before, and, and, and I'll say it again. To the black men and women, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. For the allies who stand with us, 
No matter what shade, no matter what race, no matter where you come from, God bless you. And to those of you with or without a badge, no matter what walk of life you come from, to those of you who actively and passively stand in the way of actual justice for all, what this country claims to be about, you will not win. No shot. We're out of here, folks. See you next week.